When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Bunny Michael, and you are listening to Exo Higher Self, the podcast where you send me your questions, and I help guide you to your higher self, the part of you that already has the answer. How was your week? I hope it was beautiful. I just got back to New York. I spent the past week in Texas at my parents' house. I'm both grateful to be with them and mindful of my own vulnerability to be triggered by them. Y'all know how it is. I moved to New York right out of high school, so all of my memories of Texas are from my youth, and my nephews are actually going to the same elementary school that I went to, so picking them up from school this week was like this really surreal blast from the past. Kara, my partner, came with me, and I took them to see my old high school with my mom, it was really cute. Anyway, like what normally happens for all of us being back to wherever we grow up, I spent some time reflecting on how the ways I grew up affected my patterns now, like how I treat myself. And I was thinking about this idea of punishment. I grew up in a very strict household. My mom is from Samoa and was one of 13 siblings, and she grew up in a very strict household. So not unexpectedly, the way that way of parenting carried over to me and my sisters. So we often got punished for, quote unquote, misbehaving. And I was thinking about how if you grew up in an environment where caregivers use punishment and shame as a form of discipline, which is not just common in the home, but it's also very common in school settings, how that affects you as an adult, how as an adult, punishing yourself through judging or being mean to yourself can feel justified in order to do better or to be a better version of yourself because that's essentially what you were taught was needed. But shame and guilt and putting yourself down for making mistakes is not a sustainable version of self-correcting, right? The way we make choices that are good for us is understanding how worthy we are of the inner peace and love those choices will bring to our lives. Our higher selves guide our choices through compassion and understanding and patience. Our higher selves know it will often take trial and error for us to build our own awareness. Our higher selves know that we are in the process of unlearning and that our mental conditioning is not our fault. Our caregivers were people just like us on their own journey of self-awareness who grew up with their own stuff to unlearn. Our teachers, babysitters, parents, grandparents, foster parents, aunties, uncles, older siblings, whoever the adults were that influenced us, we can now learn from where they got it right and where they got it wrong. We can give them the compassion that maybe they were unable to give us. We can be the healing this world needs by knowing what we all deserve is compassion, love, abundance, and care. So the next time you notice that self-punishing voice putting you down, 
just stop it in its tracks and say, no, we're not doing this anymore. I think I've had enough, right? I think there's been enough years of this, of this punishing and it's actually not, it's not really helping, is it? Anyway, I just wanted to share that reflection, me being home with my parents and just kind of feeling all of those feelings and accepting them and knowing that it's still hard, but that's okay. And, you know, still learning from those experiences. And we're constantly learning and we're constantly growing. The growth never stops, right? Okay, before we get to the questions, I just wanted to remind everybody to sign up for our Patreon, to subscribe, to get bonus episodes that are released every other Friday. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month, and that's what keeps this podcast sustainable. That's how we're able to keep making episodes. And you can sign up at patreon.com slash xohigherself. So make sure to do that. All right, let's get the question started. Hi, Bunny. First of all, I just want to say thank you for this podcast. I'm a new listener, but I have already found so much healing and affirmation through your words. So I just want to appreciate you. I really can't thank you enough. My question today is about healing from past relationships. I was in a relationship for about three and a half years from high school up until early college with someone who was a couple years older than me. We were long distance for most of that time, but we did move in together after I graduated. Overall, the relationship wasn't super healthy. We both had a lot of unhealed trauma that created codependency issues, which got a lot worse after we started living together. I was extremely isolated and unhappy, and I honestly didn't realize how toxic the relationship was until after it was over. The breakup itself was honestly one of the hardest and most painful things I've ever had to go through. Um, It dragged on for a couple months because after she decided to end things, she manipulated me into thinking that I could make her love me again. And that just led to me feeling like I was somehow undeserving of love or unlovable, as well as triggering abandonment issues and an eating disorder that I'm still recovering from. Um, She also spread rumors about me right after things ended to my friends um, and claimed that I was abusive. While I acknowledge that I did engage in toxic behaviors, a lot of what she said was completely fabricated and ended up with me losing some important people in my life. It's now a couple years later, and I am a completely different person. I am happier, I'm healthier, I'm more in tune with my higher self, and I'm in a really healthy relationship. We've been together for nine months, and my current partner is so understanding and loving and supportive and wants to grow with me, which is so beautiful. Um, I'm so grateful for her, and she's just everything to me. The thing that I'm struggling with, though, is that I still think about my ex and our past relationship a lot. I tend to focus on the negative aspects and all the ways that I was hurt, and I feel guilty that I can't just move on. My current partner is completely understanding and has never pressured me into, you know, getting over it, but I can't help but put that pressure on myself. It's also really challenging because my ex still lives in the same city as me. We only live a few blocks away from each other, so I do still see her in public. I actually ran into her today, which is what pushed me to send in this message because it brought up a lot of feelings seeing her that I don't even know how to articulate. I clearly still have a lot of pain around that past relationship. 
And even though I'm so happy now and my life is so much better, I just don't know how to let go of that time in my life because I think it was so formative and so crucial to me. But at the same time, I feel like I should just move on and I shouldn't have so much feeling attached to it still. I just don't know where to go from here. I try to be gentle with myself and say that, you know, my feelings are valid and that I'm still healing, but I do put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and I just want to be present and look towards my future and all the great things that are to come instead of what's behind me. So if you have any guidance, I would really appreciate it. Um, I really look forward to hearing what you have to say and thank you so, so much for everything that you do and all the love and guidance that you share with the world. Um, I appreciate you so much and I hope you can help me. Thank you. Just because there are things from your past that are still difficult to deal with doesn't mean that you haven't moved on. All of us are still healing from past experiences and even though we would all really prefer the healing to be over and to be able to be present 24 hours of the day, that's a really high expectation to put on ourselves. Your first love and the experiences that come with it stay with you for a long time because it's a first for so many things. It's the first long-term relationship, the first move in together, the first really strong commitment, the first moments of vulnerability, the first expectations. On top of that, you are in high school through college, which are difficult transitions on their own, much less navigating a serious romantic relationship for the first time. Like we often talk about here on this podcast, all of our childhood issues show their face in our romantic relationships because that's the example of love we grew up around. And so we often unconsciously project our pain and trauma onto our partnerships. It takes time and experience to fully understand what our triggers are in relationships and what kind of support we need and how we can better support our partners. So the first time facing this stuff is difficult no matter who you are or how you grew up. When I think about how I behaved in some of my past relationships before I knew better, before I really understood what my triggers were and what my wounds are, I often feel upset at myself for hurting people I care about. But our trauma isn't our fault and we need to be compassionate and forgiving to ourselves. We don't know what we don't know. It's not because we're bad people. Being a good partner takes time. How are we supposed to understand the needs of someone else who has their own complex issues when we don't even fully have a grasp of our own? Can you see how that inexperience not only had consequences with how you behaved, but also how your ex behaved, both in the relationship and after it? Can you sense that how we treat people is a reflection of how we are feeling internally about ourselves and that most of it is out of fear and unconsciousness and a lot of wounds that just need to be healed? So here you are two years later, you've learned a lot, you've grown, and you have the relationship that is a reflection of that growth. 
That is wonderful. Just because you still feel hurt when you think about the painful experiences from that relationship doesn't mean there is something wrong. Relationships are hard. Feelings get hurt. And unfortunately, a lot of learning what you actually need in a relationship takes experiences where you learn what you don't need. Learning how to manage your feelings when you're having those memories and going back to that past place will help you feel less overwhelmed. First of all, you live only a few blocks from your ex. It totally makes sense that running into her is going to trigger you. I mean, I'd probably still be triggered by running into my first ex on some level and that was many, many years ago. So what you need is a game plan for if or when that happens. I want you to write this list of higher self mantras on a sheet of paper, and I want you to put that piece of paper in a safe place for you to read to yourself whenever you feel triggered by those memories. Number one, I forgive myself for what I didn't understand about my own needs in that relationship. Number two, I recognize that her behavior was a reflection of her own limitations at that time, and I'm not going to make assumptions about where she is in her own growth now. Number three, I am proud of the lessons I learned from that experience, but I know that experience doesn't define me. Number four, remembering that relationship only confirms how much love I deserve and how grateful I am for finally realizing that. Number five, I wish my ex the best in her journey, but I will keep healthy boundaries from her because that will keep me focused on my journey. Number six, if I feel sad when I think about what happened, I know those feelings are okay. They're temporary and I will always be all right. Number seven, I have always been whole and worthy of love, and my higher self is always with me. Hi, Bunny. I cannot wait to hear your response to this because I absolutely love your insights about living and uh, acting from a place of love, and um, I'll get right to my question I am living in New York City, born and raised, and my partner of almost two years is in Denver, Colorado. I am probably going to be starting law school here in 2022, and I've asked him to move here. Unfortunately, he doesn't love New York City, though he has agreed because he wants to be together, and we're happier together. He's also, though, battling depression and a number of uh, traumas that he has related to aspects of the move. And I'm trying to support him and not take unenthusiasm and general weariness about this process personally, but it can be really hard sometimes, to put it simply. So... My question to you is, how can I support my partner who is dealing with multiple difficulties in their mental health, specifically depression, um, while staying true to myself and my needs? Thank you. 
Staying true to yourself and your needs is only going to help you be more supportive of your partner's needs. The best way you can support them is to be an example of self-care and self-compassion. Compassion doesn't mean sacrificing yourself to help another person. Compassion is the vision to see that however someone is behaving is a reflection of where they are in their own journey of healing. And when you have compassion for your partner's struggles with depression, you can see it isn't about you and you can take it less personally if he is seeming to be not as excited about the move as you want him to be. It's not because he doesn't love you or want to be there for you. It's because it's bringing up a lot of fear and anxiety. And even if he didn't struggle with depression, I think it would be cause for anxiety for most people to be making a big move like that. Transitional times are challenging. You're out of your comfort zone, you feel less secure, and things feel generally unstable. Before the move happens, I think it would be wise to have a talk about what both of your plans are for managing your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Moving in together is going to have its difficulties for both of you. You're going to have to adjust to to having him there, and he is going to have to adjust to being in a new space. Here are some things that I think should be sorted out or at least start to be addressed before the move. How does your partner manage his depression? Is he seeing a therapist? Does he have any healing practices? How will this move affect those practices? What's the game plan for when he is struggling? You cannot be his sole support when it comes to his mental health. What does your healing practice look like? How will him moving in with you change that dynamic? What is your outside support system? If he is struggling in a depressive episode, who can you lean on to for support during that time? As someone who also struggles with a mental health diagnosis that I have to manage daily, transitional times can be hard, but with care, patience, support, and understanding, you can get over those difficult humps and on the other side, feel really proud of yourself. It's obvious he really loves you and the both of you really want to make this work. And that's wonderful. And it absolutely can work as long as both of you are committed to prioritizing your own healing and supporting each other on that path. So start with a plan and set yourself up for success. Content warning, the following question and answer mentioned suicide. This question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. I hope it works to write my question over email. I love your podcast and it helps me a lot when I'm feeling sad. So thanks for all you do. I was hoping to get some higher self advice about this person I've been seeing. We haven't been seeing each other for very long, two months ish, but I really like them and care about them. They've shared with me that they're severely depressed and have tried to kill themselves in the past and still regularly think about doing it. Even though I value our time together, I often leave feeling sad and worried about them. I know I shouldn't have to take on their suffering as my own, but it's hard not to be concerned. It also seems like they probably don't have enough energy to be in a serious relationship, and so I'm not sure how to be there for them or even if that's what they want. I really don't want to push them on the relationship issue right now because they're going through an especially hard time. 
Do you have any advice on what the higher self would say about being there for someone who's going through a hard time and also how to protect one's own self emotionally in a circumstance like this? Thanks so much, Bunny, and thanks to everyone who submits questions. Hi, Han. I definitely feel that if this person is telling you they are feeling suicidal in your conversations, then they are not able to be in a committed partnership and should be relying on professional help. My concern is that this dynamic is already showing signs of unhealthy boundaries, especially since you've known each other for such a short time and are already feeling fearful for their safety. And the relationship already seems to be so focused on their struggles. You cannot be responsible for them. You are not a mental health professional. And although I'm sure you really care about this person, you cannot be their support system or give them the guidance that they need. What you can be is a friend that encourages them to seek the help that they deserve and continue on their own healing path because that should be their main focus right now. I'm not saying that everyone who struggles with depression and suicidal ideation isn't ready to be in a relationship. I'm saying that it needs to be in a manageable place with a support system to depend on outside of personal relationships. And from the sound of your email and the worry you already have, it doesn't seem to be. So moving forward, I would maintain healthy boundaries by communicating that you care a lot about them and for that reason you know you can't be the support they need when they're hurting. This is never an easy situation. But as much as we want to help, some things are not within our control. So we have to take charge of what we can control and that is encouraging the people we care about to find the guidance that can really help them and letting them know how deserving they are of that. Your higher self can give someone love and support from anywhere because love is a state of awareness and every time you feel love for someone and wish them love and healing, on the level of higher self, it's reaching them whether you're actually communicating with them directly or not because it's communicating from your higher self to the other person's higher self or you could say from heart to heart and on that level, the message is received. Their ego might not be conscious of it, but their higher self is. And one day with more healing and more perspective, they can see that the choices you made was out of love and care and just trying to do the best thing for both of you. The following question is from a DM. Hi, Bunny. I'm a new listener, but I've been super hooked and binge listening to your insights. I've been on my own healing journey for a while now, and I'm feeling happy, grateful, and loving life. However, I live with roommates that I don't like, and it feels really draining when I see them. They're a couple. I don't like my roommates, not because they've done something to me. They're just not the type of person that I want to be around. They have worldviews that don't align with mine. For example, they're total capitalism lovers. One of them once said to me they blame poor people for being poor because they don't research financial stuff. They're total consumers. Our fridge is always stuffed with their food and there's barely space for mine. Little stuff like that. Those are little things, but it makes it uncomfortable to encounter them in the house. We barely talk to each other anymore. When they leave the house, I just feel so much more open and free and relieved. My question is, however, how do I differentiate if my discomfort towards them stems from their energy and that their energy physically disturbs me 
or from something in me that I'm now projecting the hatred towards them. Part of the healing journey is to be able to accept people for what they are, and I feel like I can't empathize with them or accept them. Everyone brings their own stuff to every relationship and every encounter they have with a person. Even the person you bought your coffee from this morning. Part of you projected your past experiences with every single barista, if you got enough sleep last night, your worries about your day at work, all onto that brief two-minute encounter with that stranger barista. We all try to be mindful and to be present and not project all of our personal stuff onto all of our relationships and every encounter that we have with someone. But, you know, we're human and it's our nature to judge based on past experiences. And we're all still, you know, on the path to realizing how best to be present. So yes, the things that your roommates are doing are triggering you and all your past experiences with people who are similar to them. But that doesn't mean you have to subject yourself to the type of behavior that you really don't like to be around. Acknowledging that certain behaviors are difficult to be around doesn't mean you can't look at the situation from the perspective of your higher self. Your higher self knows that everyone is at a different place in their journey of unlearning the culture of domination that we were all brought up in. We were all taught that we need to accomplish to be worthy, that the more you have, the more you are. So it's understandable that there are people who don't want to go deeper within themselves to see the injustices of the world and try to have empathy or to acknowledge their own privilege. Compassion isn't condoning behavior, it's seeing the truth behind the behavior and recognizing yourself in that same struggle. When you look at people from the higher self perspective of compassion, you don't take it personally when someone does something that bothers you because you realize it's not about you. And when you realize that, you are less likely to get more involved in a conflict to where it does become about you. Now, choosing your roommate, however, is going to be not just an issue of being able to not take things personally from time to time. A roommate needs to be someone you are compatible to be living with. That's a whole other set of criteria. I have really good friends that I absolutely love and adore, but definitely could not be roommates with. It seems to me that this living situation just isn't working for you, and it doesn't have to be. And it doesn't have to be about someone in the house being bad to live with or wrong or not a good person. It's just not a good match. And that's okay. It's actually not a big deal. It happens all of the time. It sucks, but sometimes you just have to make other plans for a different arrangement. And until you find a new arrangement, try and not let whatever their opinions are and look on life get to you. Keep the boundaries you need. Go to another room. It's not personal. They're on their own journey and you're on yours. There doesn't need to be any drama. It's not your responsibility to change them. You just need to find a living situation that will best support your inner peace because your home is your sanctuary. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Your vulnerability is 
so generous and it's helping so much of us. Thank you so much for being part of this community. To everyone who has sent in a question that I haven't gotten to, don't worry. I'm getting to all of them one at a time, doing my best. Don't forget to support us on our Patreon at patreon.com backslash exohigherself. Follow us on Instagram at exohigherself. Remember to be nice to yourself this week. Try to limit those self-punishing thoughts, that self-judgment. You know, we're all doing our best. It's okay if we make mistakes. It's okay if we get it wrong sometimes. This is not easy stuff. You know, it's not easy stuff. And actually, the kinder and more compassionate we are with ourselves, the better we will do. It's actually the opposite of what we've been taught. We've been taught that we need to like be harder on ourselves in order to do better. But actually fully accepting ourselves for who we are in the moment encourages us to realize how whole we already are. And we make choices that reflect that truth. Okay? So keep that in mind. I love you so much. And don't forget, so does your higher self. I'll see you next time. Bye. Exo Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey, with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari. 